0: This is Steve Dales of the World on WGN, The Vet at Noah's Ark. Now, this book is not only about animals, but it's about people, too. And the author, Dr. Doug Mater, is right here. Dr. Mater, how are you?
1: Steve, thank you so much for having me join
0: you today. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. So thank you very much. So let's set the scene. This is the L.A. riots are going on, right? And you are Absolutely. right there. And for people who don't remember... What did Rodney King? He famously said, was, "This was the riots, right? Can't we all get along?"
1: Right. That that that's what he's quoted as saying: "Is hey, people, can't we
0: all get along?" And that
1: was probably the turning point during the riots when people started to settle down. And it was a pretty ugly scene for quite a while.
0: Now, what does a veterinarian have to do with all of that? Explain.
1: Well, the the you know the what stimulated the the book was. I, my partner and I had a, a hospital that we purchased, and we had both recently graduated, so we didn't have a lot of money. We ended up buying a hospital in a pretty poor part of town. And, uh you know, the old saying that sometimes the, re- the best restaurants are in the worst part of town. So we figured, okay, well, we can do a good job and make a nice rest- uh, nice ho- uh, hospital, and even if we're in a bad part of town. And we were literally on the cusp of the very wealthy neighborhood and the very poor neighborhood. For instance, one of our clients was the governor of California, and then we had other clients coming in that could barely afford to put shoes on their children's feet. Hmm. So we were kind of right down there in the middle of everything during the time uh, of the civil unrest surrounding the Rodney King
0: trial. Yeah. Uh, the governor of California at the time was who? Um, Dick Majin. Who? George Dick Okay. That's the governor I may not know. I, I'm clearly not familiar. I don't remember him. Uh, but there's something else unique about what you do. So what you do isn't only about dogs and cats, right? Right. Yeah, we, uh, we had a unique hospital because we did dogs and
1: cats, but we were also one of the very few hospitals in the state uh, that took care of exotic pets. So like, pretty much if it breathed, we would take care of it. We did snakes, rabbits, uh, you know, birds, fish. Uh, we had lions and tigers, monkeys, uh emus we had pretty much like the whole that's you know the name of the hospital noah's ark because we had so many different critters coming in on a regular basis but we, have now, had, I, we used to have clients come in just to watch what came through the door
0: <laughs> it was like going to the zoo huh absolutely absolutely quite
1: quite a mainstream
0: now i would hope that these were not private citizens that came in with some of i mean hopefully people didn't have a pet lion in their house
1: Actually, believe it or not, they did. Um, We had a couple clients that had lions they used for entertainment, like for magic shows and things like that. California. Um, California, you bet. And and if they would get sick, some of the animals were trained enough that they could bring them to the hospital. We'd always have them come in the evening after hours because you don't want a lion walking in the reception area with a bunch of dogs and cats. I think that would cause some chaos.
0: So Uh they would
1: usually come in the evening or on the weekends.
0: Yeah, potentially lunch for the lion. So tell me, uh, give me. so your book is filled with stories that you're about to tell. One, The Vet at Noah's Ark, that's the name of the book, Stories of Survival from an Inner-City Animal Hospital. Tell me a story.
1: Oh, sure, I will. I mean, there there were plenty of great stories. I think one of the, the biggest stories is uh, just about the human-animal bond, and the, I think I think the biggest character in the book is my own personal dog. His name is walk, Wok, W-O-K. Mm-hmm. And every day I'd work really hard at work, and I'd have stressful days, 15, 16, 17-hour days. And I'd come home, and I would take my dog for walks. And we'd walk at night, and we'd walk through the scary parks. And keep in mind, I was in a really bad part of town. And if you're carrying a gun, nobody knows that until you have to pull the gun out. But when you're walking a big black dog, everybody gets off the sidewalk and lets you walk by And uh, he plays a key role in the book. And near the end of the book, something happens to him. I don't want to be a spoiler, so I'm not going to give it away. And, uh, you know, the readers just really fall in love with him. And people love a good animal story. You know, Old Yeller, uh, Racing in the Rain. Think about all those great stories about animals. And Walk really pulls at your heartstrings, because people just love good stories about animals.
0: Well, indeed they do, and indeed they must. So this book... Somehow, some way, appears on the New York Times bestseller list. Were you surprised that this book is doing? Inc- I mean, it's doing amazingly well.
1: Oh, it's very humbling. And I don't mean to uh, correct you, but just just for the sake of uh, being proper, it's the New York Post required reading list. Um, yes, I, I am absolutely amazed, and the, the, all the literary critics are calling it the first American James Harriet. And James Harriet, of course, is the amazing British veterinarian that wrote All Creatures, Great and Small. And he even has a series on PBS. And uh, to be compared to a veterinarian of his caliber and an, and an author of his caliber,
0: like I say, is quite humbling for me. So what do you think resonates with non-pet owners that, I mean, the book is selling that well, so this book is crossed over. So what do you think it is? What are you saying in this book that so many people who don't have a pet and certainly don't have a pet lion uh, say, hey, this is really a story that I want to read?
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's um, technically it's a memoir because it's about a time of my life. So in the literary world, it's a memoir. But really, it's, uh, it's a veterinary medical drama. It's a narrative nonfiction told in the first person. And it's a story about a veterinarian living in the middle of the inner city trying to save animals' lives and and promote that human-animal bond, and that's that's a very strong bond, and it's as strong or stronger in some cases than parents have with their children.
0: Well, I want to talk a little about that. So our dogs and cats really don't care where we live. Our dogs and cats don't really care if we have as much money as Oprah Winfrey or have as little money as a homeless person. Uh, And do you think that that, first of all, do you agree with what I just said? And secondly, Uh, do you you think the bond exists? Uh, You want treatment for your animal, whether you can afford it or not, but you want that treatment. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, that's, That's always a sticky wicket because people tend, you know, when when you bring your pet to the veterinarian, you usually end up paying out of pocket. As opposed to if you or I were to go to the human doctors, oftentimes insurance covers the cost. Well, thankfully there is pet insurance now, but that's a subject for some other interview. But you know, when you bring your pet to the veterinarian, if you don't have the money to take care of it, then there's that guilt that the owner has. There's the guilt that the veterinarian has, and so oftentimes, especially. I mean, a lot of people would consider me a bad business person because I've never, ever in my career turned anybody away for money. If they had a problem um, and they were willing to make some effort, even if it was just a couple bucks a week, I would always be there to help them. And my goal, that's why I went to veterinary school. I've been doing this for nearly 40 years. When I Mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, I want to keep that human-animal bond going. And I agree with you. Pets don't pass judgment. And they don't care where you live. They don't care how much money you make, what kind of car you drive. They
0: love you for you. We just and have a couple... You know,
1: what, what more can we ask?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have a couple minutes here, but I do want to ask this. You may have noticed there was a pandemic that happened a couple of years ago. And during that time, it seems everyone went out and got a leopard gecko or some sort <laughs> of some sort of lizard or a hamster or a guinea pig. And they may have adopted a dog or a cat. Adoptions for dogs or cats went through the roof. But what do you think it was at that point, that led people to get, yes, maybe dogs and cats, but also these sort of, forgive me saying this, but alternative choices?
1: No, I think that's legitimate. And, you know, people need that companionship. And, for instance, I had a pet frog for 18 years, and he passed away of kidney cancer. Every Mm. day I took care of that frog. Every day I talked to my frog at night when I'd feed it. I'd say good morning to it every morning when I turned the light on. And when that frog passed away, it left a big hole in my heart. And yeah, so it's a frog. I don't sit and watch TV with it, but it's still part of my life. And somebody that I talked to, and he never passed judgment. And I assume he was glad to see me, mainly because I provided food. But, you know, whether it's a leopard gecko or a parakeet or a mouse, people need that companionship. That's why people keep pet fish.
0: Well, they were on the rise during the pandemic, too. So it's interesting that during the pandemic, what people sought was companionship from animals. Uh, and that happened all not only in America, but all over the world.
1: Absolutely. It sure did. And, you know, the, the nice thing, too, is, you know, for, I would say for the most part, the animals, you know, with a few exceptions like ferrets and cats and uh, occasional other animals, you know, they were safe. So you didn't have to worry about, you go to the pet store and buy a pet mouse that's going to come home and give your children covid and you know, certainly with the, the reptiles and fish and things like that. So people need that companionship, Steve, and whatever shape it comes in, again, it can be a dog, a cat, a fish, uh, anything, people need
0: that. That human-animal bond is extremely important. Doug Mater, the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner-City Animal Hospital, Thank you so much for joining us here in Florida at uh, the VMX Veterinary Conference.
1: Thank you, Steve, for, for having me on. And if any readers are interested, they can go to my website, www.dougmader.com, and they can click on the link and order the book. I think they would enjoy it. No matter if they like animals or not, it's a good read. And I certainly appreciate your time.